Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. And welcome in to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Electrical Supply Guys studios. And we are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz 2, 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. I'm your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas. Alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight, Saturday Down South, and Hog Country. And all live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas. And as always, our pro podcast is brought to you by bet online it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contest events with the first to market and odds and lines so bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and the futures so head on over to the bet online and use your motive device to void to join today and make your first sports bet use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. Jacob, you you was actually in the game, in the moment, got to see Arkansas start off the season 1-0. So raise your hand if your team is 1-0 with a score of 31-24. Pros and cons, there, there, there's goods and bads, and, you know, we can go over that in the show. But, uh, Jacob, just, you know, Start from the beginning because you said you was there, you know, most of the week. You wasn't there just for game day. So what was the vibe going into the game? Was it? Where do you compare it to the Texas atmosphere? Was it even close with SEC Network being there? And, and then give us your thoughts on the game. Yeah, so the vibe was pretty chill. Uh, you could kind of feel the electricity around Fayetteville and around Northwest Arkansas. Uh, oh, all week I, I got up there. I think Wednesday night, uh, Thursday, hit up hit up Fayetteville and, and was looking around. The stores were all packed. The Razorback gear was pretty much sold out. People were excited, man, and and being able to going to go to Razorback Stadium, you're standing outside gate one and and you're just looking at how many people are really here. The uh, the the hog walk was fifteen to twenty people deep on each side all the way up uh, and around the corner uh, to where they enter the hog walk. Um, there was just a lot of ele- there was electricity there. I wouldn't compare it to the Texas game because the Texas game, man, you you only get that crowd when you play Texas. But this was a pretty electric crowd. Uh, the from the start of the game, probably till you know when Arkansas turned it over there around the goal line, uh, and and seeing the fans really pretty much like control the environment and control what was going down the field and Cincinnati had those three straight uh, illegal procedures or false starts and uh, I think there was one other uh, another penalty there too that Arkansas I mean the fans basically made the made an impact on the game and moved moved Cincinnati back five yards each or ten yards I mean they were a factor in that game it was a pretty cool atmosphere being able to to sit there and and take it all in man and it was, it was really cool to see that, and I think it's going to get better each uh, each game. 
And I didn't catch the first quarter, minding my wife's anniversary or sixth anniversary. Big shout out to my wife for you know six six years putting up with me. So I mean that that, that says a lot of, to do. about her character. So um, <laughs> so when I got there, you know, and, and was watching the game. I mean, I seen. I mean, of course it's the first game, but I mean I seen things that where I stand by my nine game prediction. I mean there was just things that. What I told you and I had said about K.J. Jefferson early on, you know, with him being a second year in this program, him being considered he's supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC, you know, and if you drop him down to that fifth or sixth, you know, quarterback and people start, you know, saying, oh, he should be third. To me, he didn't he, – he did not play like, like a top three quarterback in the SEC. There, there was just too many – wide open underthrows, overthrows. I mean, there was just I – mean, and I know that this can be fixed and this is – I'm not saying he's a horrible quarterback, but just from the play, you know, waiting all season, off season, this is the second off season in that system, he kind of was underwhelming. You know, I know he had a good QBR. I know he, he had three touchdowns. And we'll get in on my superstar, who I've predicted from the get-go – on my player of the game, but to, to me, it was just, it's a good gritty win. You grit, you know, we said there's going to be some games where you're going to grind it out. This was one of them. It still was a great win, but if, if you're going to tell me that this team is going to go just based off of this performance, that this team is going to go 10 or 11 wins, I, I don't see it because there was a lot of things in the secondary there was a lot of things that – I mean, the third down conversions that, that Cincinnati was able to get third and longs was kind of alarming when you're like, you you need those in those big-time games that those are drive killers. And if you keep a team like Cincinnati, look what happened. It was 31-24, and I said that. If you give them a reason to stay in the game, they're going to stay in the game. And my biggest question, and maybe somebody could drop in the comments, maybe you can answer – but, well, I tell you what, I, I think unless they just blew the whistle early, that that end zone play where K.J. got tackled in the end zone, I don't see how it wasn't a safety. I, I don't know. I think it was a little quick to call him down. But that could have been a huge, huge game changer when it comes to the, the, that, the outcome of the game. Yeah, I, I really thought it was a safety at first too, but then I watched the went back and watched the replays. I think they were trying to call him down like forward progress, but there was really no forward progress there because he was going backwards the uh, whole play. I mean, I thought it was a safety too, and that pretty much could have changed the momentum there uh, for Cincinnati. Uh, I think also part of that uh, I give props to Cincinnati because they were playing to show that last year's playoff appearance wasn't a fluke. They, they had an, uh, an edge to them, and I think they gave Arkansas, I mean, all they could ask for. So I, I, really, I really give uh, props to them. And, and as far as KJ goes, I mean, he did short arm some throws. I mentioned that on Twitter. I, I was kind of concerned about him kind of short arming the, uh, uh, like, especially like the four to five yard passes there. Uh, but man, he played a pretty good brand of ball. He did what he did last year. I think he had 232 yards passing. Uh, 68 yards rushing, had a uh, three three touchdown passes, and 
uh, one one rushing touchdown. Uh, the really great thing about him is he's not going to throw you into mistakes. He's not going to force anything in there that's not there. Now that Jaden Hazelwood touchdown there at the uh, corner of the uh, front corner of the end zone at the pylon, man, against three defenders, I thought, man, that's crazy. I mean, that's a guy that you know you you got to believe in your arm if you're going to throw a, a ball like that. But that was a, a really good touch pass, a really good uh, adjustment by Jaden Hazelwood to get up there and get it. That guy has some hops and he has well, some speed and he showed. Well, that and if too. you if you've seen that play, he made two Cincinnati guys run into each other. Yeah. So I mean, I'm Not telling you, mouth. I mean, the, the receivers really stepped up. You know, Hazelwood yeah. is everything is advertised, and my guy Trey Knox. I told y'all, yeah. I told y'all he would have an impact on the game. I didn't think it would be this early, but man. For that kid to ball out the way he did and have two touchdowns, I believe in the stat sheet, he only had 75 yards. He led to the team in receiving with 75 yards. But if you look, one, two, three, four, five, six, he had six different receivers that he threw to. I mean, that, that you're yeah. distributing the ball well. He did a very, you know, he did a very good game. It's just I seen things that, and I know it's going to be hard for kind of people to hear, but we got to realize if you want your team to be a top team in the SEC, you have to have those high expectations. So, yeah. like like Miss June says, don't be critical of the players, but you've got to realize if you want to step up to that next level, we're not a mediocre team in the SEC anymore. You have to be critical because in in, in college yeah. football, one game, two game, you go on a two game losing streak. Well, there goes your chances of being in that SEC championship mm-hmm. game. There goes your chances of being in that New Year's Six Bowl. There, there goes from nine wins, now you're to seven. Yeah. So, to me, I'm going to be more critical this year on this team because you have everybody you got coming back. I know they were banged up on defense and they lost Catalan and Slusher, and, and that will come back. But you, you still have to say that there was a lot of things that went wrong in this game that you have to – because I don't want it to be four or five weeks down the road – this team goes on a three-game losing streak, and you're like, man, I wish we'd have seen these things coming. Yeah. Uh, the offensive line, man, I was kind of suspect about them, too, because they really didn't generate much of a push outside of the final five minutes and 49 seconds of the ball game on uh, Saturday because Arkansas took that final possession, and they could have scored on that final possession but yeah. they rolled up a little bit. But they finally uh, exhorted their will uh, to say uh, in that final drive, uh, they, they were saying, all right, we're going we're gonna to drain the clock and we're going to go out there and win this ball game. And, and they did a good job there. Uh, but, man, they're going to have to come, come Saturday against South Carolina, against a uh, really physical uh, defensive line. They're going to have to figure out a way to uh, generate generate more of a push on the line and, and try to get Rocket more of those five to seven to eight yard runs and and uh, try to try to have more success pounding the football. And they there was a couple of times too where KJ I don't know if it was more of him like just running around because, you know, that's what he does. But there was a couple of times where he had to extend plays because the pass protection wasn't yeah. there the whole time, too. Uh, I mean, like Chuck said there, though, uh, a couple of comments ago, he did say the biggest improvement is from the first game to the second. And, and we've heard that for a long time, and it's a true thing. Yeah, uh, I think I think they know that there's a lot of things to work on. Sam Pittman acknowledged that. Bumper Pool acknowledged that after the game, especially on defense. 
so we'll get to that later. But yeah, there's a lot of things uh, to correct, and, but there's a lot of things you can build on too that that happen and ever good. The the biggest the positive I've seen is just how much the offensive line and defensive line stepped up at the end of the game. I mean, I was just about to say, where's this pass rush? Where's this pass rush? Right. And it was quality over quantity. They got the sacks when they needed. They got yep. the pressure when they needed. They had some turnovers. You know, they had a key interception there at the first. I mean, really, you're talking about a drive killer. You know, that interception was a drive killer. So, when you, when you look at the job that the defense did do, um, it, it was. I wish I would have seen a little bit more out of the linebacker play. But, you know, when you have your safeties out, it, you're, you're already, you know, game one. What I think it was when uh, uh, we had Blake Rafino on. When he was talking yeah. about when you're having to play outside of your game plan, I think they did a lot of that, and they they got the win. You know, you, you beat a top 25 team, and it was the first time since '74. I know there was some confusion on it that. ESPN confusing. got yeah, it wrong, it but it was 1974 against you. Well, ESPN even got it wrong. Yeah. No, they had the big header, but it was against USC. So, I guess. From my side of it, I can sit here and say what I've said, but you still won. A win's a win. It was over a top 25 team. We're not sitting here saying you struggled against uh, uh, Nickel State Illinois. or Eastern Illinois or <laughs> San Jose or State, Western Kentucky. Portland State. So, oh but like, but with like I said, with that being said, I want to see this team. I'm excited about this team, and I know I'm being a little negative. Game one, and and it is what it is. But I'm just going off of what I seen. Where they could be better. Yep. And, man, I'm telling you, but you look at the run game. That was – we knew they were to establish the run, and it's crazy. I've never been this right, and I kind of – I will never probably be this right this way this season. <laughs> but you had every running back, your, other than KJ, he was 3.4 yards of carry, over five yards of carry. You know, you had Rocket Sanders, 5.8 yards of carry. A.J. Green had six. Derbyan – the Binion had 8.8 yards of carry. So, I mean, they yeah. were running the ball effectively. If you can get in that three to four range, you're getting three to four yards of carry. You want four to five, but at least, I mean, yeah. if you're getting three yards of carry, I mean, that's, that is a huge deal when you're as balanced as you were. And that yeah. is what – it's crazy what Sam Pittman has similarly done, like what Brett Bielema has done. But you know what? It's like – you have more belief, you have more faith, and you have more continuity when it comes to the coaches. And and if freaking Brett Bielema would have kept his head out of his rear end and kept Sam Pittman, in, maybe this is what we would have been seeing four, five, six, seven years ago instead of him going off and doing his thing, and then now we lost six years of good football. Yeah, and that that's a really good point, too, because it took that. It took – the uh, years of uh, fertility under under uh, Bielema and then under Morris for folks to realize, you know, who can get this thing back on track? It's a guy that's never been a head coach before at the Power Five level, Sam Pittman. Who would have thought that a offensive line coach that could recruit, recruit, recruit could come back to the uh, state that you know he just did fantastic at? And could be thirteen and eleven after two games or two seasons 
uh, one game into his third year after being like they what they win like four six six games they they won six games before uh, he took over as head hog thirteen and eleven that's that's basically on the uh, uh, Bobby Petrino rise there yeah. Well, and that just goes to show you what when you believe in your coach. If you, it, it's weird. I can't remember. If it was. Um, it's all about culture. The the guy he's on the um, NBA countdown. The guy that he he wears the glasses, Eddie or Ernie. He said, "I'm at a Ernie, get yeah. to job. I'm at a get to. I get to do this." And these Arkansas players, they get to play for Sam Pittman. They get to play for the University of Arkansas. That's like what Pittman says that's in his office. You're not playing for the University of Arkansas. You're playing for the state of Arkansas. And that, that's true. That's yeah. bought in. And I'll tell you what, this team has fought through more adversity in the last 10 years and where they're at now. I, I, don't, I don't know of another school that has fought and overcome so much to where the roller coaster from Bobby Petrino to the lowest of the lows after the Chad Morris. I mean, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse than John L. Smith, here comes, you know, Chad Morris. Now we're at this peak. We're not at the top where we're at the top of the SEC yet. But, you know, they're at the top of where you're the belief and you get this team. They have a very good chance. And what Kevin says – Cincinnati would have beat South Carolina by three touchdowns. That's true. I watched that game. If, if, if it wasn't for South Carolina's freaking special teams, I mean, they probably would have been tied going to overtime uh, against Georgia State. And Georgia State's no slouch, but, I mean, when they beat Tennessee, they were down. Like, South Carolina's supposed to be this darling in the SEC East and, I mean, could hardly get by them. I mean, you have Spencer Rattler, the – uh, number two quarterback in the SEC, uh, according to the Jordan Rogers. What, on what the was SEC his QBR? Nation. You you tweeted it out, yeah, so I 20, will let you. Twenty three point six, I think. Uh, Twenty eight point six. I'm and sorry, I, I, was, I, I, was making, I I went to Ozark, words. so you might have to correct me. But is that not an F? I mean, if you was getting graded on is, a paper and you got a twenty eight at Ozark, it was an F. I, I mean, I went to Eldorado High School, and that was, was it. That an was F an there? F. Okay, that's, I'm just making sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, yeah. Haynes King, like these these guys that were supposed to be Heisman candidates or, or quarterbacks of big time teams or first round picks. Haynes King, a 49. Will Levis, a 46, and Spencer Rattler, Mister All Everything, 28.6 for South Carolina last night. But but man. I love saying bad things about South Carolina. Will Levis, Mr. First-Round Pick in Kentucky. Man. Yeah. And there was a lot of people high on him. That's not going to get you a first-round pick. Yeah. There was a lot of people high on Levis. And then even – what was uh, Hooker's? Hooker had a pretty good game. Hooker had a 79 Okay, 79. But you also got to look at the the, the teams that they played against. And, you know, it's just crazy that – People put so much hype on somebody who hasn't even snapped, you know, ain't even played a snap for that school. And right. I've said it. If you if you can't win like that at Oklahoma, it's hard for me to believe that you can win like that. But then again, they're going to the SEC East, you know, and it's I don't and they might not they might go six and six. I don't know. I don't care. That's the one school I don't care about. I hope they go zero and eleven. I, I just <laughs> I don't want them to win a game. 
And but then again, when you struggle against a team like Georgia State, and, and we're going to have the guy from Spurs Up show on Wednesday, so I'm going to get all my ranting out now. That way, we can have a civil conversation on on, on Wednesday night. But you know, I watching that South Carolina game and having the hypes with the new lights and the new coach and doing his little TikToks and stuff. To have that struggle win against Georgia State, I, I loved every bit of it because they're thinking they're good because they got to win. And I'm like, you struggled against Georgia State, you know? Exactly. So they got to come into Arkansas, and you're looking at what, you know, Arkansas did against Cincinnati, and they've got to, you know, fine tune some things up. But you've got South Carolina, then you've got Missouri State. And then you've got that two-gauge stretch between Texas A&M and, and Alabama. So you've got two more games to really button things up. But they, they do have to kick it in gear if they're going to they're gonna be that number two team in the SEC. Because we're talking about – that's something we haven't said yet. We're looking for the, who's going to be that number two team in the SEC West. That's above Texas A&M. That's above LSU. And we're watching LSU right now, 17-3. So guess what? That, that's a huge confidence when you're talking about where Arkansas's place is in the SEC West. We're seeing a team, and and uh, unless LSU is just that bad, I mean, Coach Kelly looks like he's just lost on the sideline. So that gives Arkansas hope. There's a team that you can really overtake when it comes to the seeding. So let, let, let's see what happens this week. I'm very excited, and we'll get into the defensive side of the ball here in a minute. But, man, it, it, I was really happy to see Knox come alive, get some catches, get some touchdowns. Warren Thompson even had a key catch. They were throwing more out of the backfield. I mean, they weren't just relying on KJ's running in the run game. They were throwing out of the backfield those three tiers that we talked about. And it's the running back in the flat. You had your tight end play, and then you had your deep ball. So, I mean, they looked really good. Yeah, and Trey Knox, man, that ball he took out of the flat – and show man, he did not lose any speed. <laughs> like boy, it was hauling. I think I mean, he, he was so really wide good. open, he did not know what to do. I think yeah. he caught the ball and he was like, "I am so wide open." He kind of froze for a second, and then he ran it in. I mean, it was incredible. Like, I mean, and you talking about speed? He put on fifty pounds, and to have that much speed, that dude, he was trucking. Yeah. I mean, if you if you were, if you're timing him on a forty yard dash, I guarantee you he was running at least a four six. Oh, four six four seven, easy with pads on. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, dude was dude was hauling, and he looked good. Six catches, seventy five yards, and two touchdowns. The most touchdowns he scored in a single game in his Razorback career. Honestly, one of the best performances in week one. I think that is the best performance in week one because we already talked about KJ. Yeah, he was eighteen to twenty six or two hundred thirty two yards and sixty eight yards uh, rushing for total touchdowns. But I mean, Trey Knox made the impact. He made the impact. Matt Landers played well. He he showed uh, he showed up early in the game. You had Jaden Hazel with the other guy that was a transfer. I mean, he he caught three passes for a touchdown. I uh, already talked about that. Rashad Dubinian, who uh, uh, Devin Talley just mentioned, uh, he showed up. Yep. The guy, he's fast. I mean, number six uh, coming out of the backfield, a uh, freshman out of Cedar Grove uh, High School in a suburb of Atlanta. Uh, his uh, position coach is Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith was at Cedar Grove, if you didn't know that uh, history there, uh, before he was in high school. So, uh, yeah, Rashad Dabinian having a uh, – Having a true freshman out there and being able to show his speed. If uh, you have a freshman out there that uh, is showing out already like that, he's probably going to be a dang good one. Well, that just adds another back. You're talking about the loss of uh, Dominique Johnson. 
here you go with somebody right there ready to replace him just yeah. in case. And that just shows you the stable of running backs that Arkansas has, and that's going to come key. In the end, they just grinded this game out, overpowered Cincinnati, proved why they are an SEC school, and that is the biggest thing, Jacob. We've said that they look like an SEC school. They look like an SEC school. They actually – I'm not saying they didn't last year. I'm just saying in this game, they played like an SEC team. Yeah. They went to their run game. They didn't want to tip the hat to South Carolina for next week. And a lot of that could have been just, you know, playing that uh, basic style of offense. Let's just run to the flat, throw some passes, do our run game. We know we're bigger than them, stronger than them. We know we're going to, you know, and you brought up the holding penalties. If they're holding that much, they are just showing their signs of weakness, saying we can't match up with you. We have to yeah. hold you to stay contained with you. And that just shows Arkansas's bigger, they're faster, they played really good. It's just one critique on defense, button up the third downs, and then on offense, KJ has to hit those open throws. He has to because those could yeah. be the difference between a, a win and a loss. Yeah, he seemed to be aiming his passes instead of just leading his receivers. But he did he did come on and lead some of his uh, throws too, which was really good. So, I mean, obviously you you've got week one to week two to get that corrected, and uh, I think they're I think they're going to be all right. Yeah, you know, like uh, Devin said, I mentioned that on Twitter this yep. morning. I said I went back and rewatched that game, and I saw a couple of times where Cincinnati's uh, right tackle had a I think it was Stewart in a chokehold. Yeah, I, I remember she was saying. Yeah. Well, when, when when Arkansas wanted to rush the passer, they did, and they were capable of it. There was one where uh, Eric Gregory he he didn't force a sack. He didn't he didn't record a sack. But man, he ate that guy up. I mean, he he ate him up and then spit out the bones and said, "Ooh, man, that was good." Ate every Avery. Is that the one where he just basically pile drived him in the ground oh, and i mean he yes. just i mean he's he made him turned him into a pretzel i mean his, yeah. his legs come over his head but yeah. but then on the other side of the ball if you rewatch the game i mean i've seen two or three missed throws by the cincinnati quarterback where yeah. no i mean this is too. this could have been you know this was a if you want to just break it down this was a game of who made the fewer mistakes Yep. Both teams made mistakes because you can look at both sides of the ball and have been like, well, Cincinnati could have made this play. Cincinnati, I mean, there was mm -hmm. one play where he was in the end zone. I mean, it was a touchdown and just overthrew it or, you know, just made a bad throw. So, but big yeah. props. It was kind of a different – it was different uh, Cincinnati team than I expected to see. I was expecting more of a run game. They threw 43 passes in that game on Saturday. 26-43, 325 yards passing, and I think he threw two touchdowns in the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but that's what I expected. They threw the ball a lot. It was a lot yeah. different than the offense I expected to see. But they, they threw the ball a lot in the second half because we lost Catalan and Slusher, too. Yep. You got to take that in, into uh, consideration because, I mean, it could have been a 14-17 point game at some point in the fourth quarter had, uh, had they not lost Catalan and Slush. Well, and if you think about coming into this game, you know they they didn't know who their running backs were. So of course they, nope. they you know they didn't have a, a run game to where you know they were confident in their running back like Arkansas was. And it, it's it's funny how we had our Cincinnati guys lined up, where we had Chad on first and Justin on second. How Chad made us feel like let's respect this team more, and then when Justin was on, it was almost like. 
well, he's kind of questioning what's really going to happen, and you think Arkansas might win this. It, it, it's weird that yeah. if we would have flip-flopped the guest, we might have had a different perception on how this game was going to turn out. Just having Absolutely. Chad on later, like it could have gave us that thought of, Man, maybe we need to look at this game and it might be a seven point game. And Vegas was, you know, six and a half. So I mean it was it was a it's seven right point on. game. So I mean they, they know what they're doing out there out, out west. Yeah. Uh Dollar DP says Terry Hamden, Jordan Dominic, Landon Jackson, uh uh Sanders and Hazelwood all showed up. Yep, that was your big transfers, man. Yep. Don't forget Dwight McLaughlin either. The yep. guy that got that big pick. Mm-hmm. He got beat a couple of times, man. But he was they they were made mostly in the right position. Uh Hudson Clark, I know that guy gets a lot of flack and there was people arguing on Facebook and Twitter about how bad Clark was because he missed an assignment. And, and on that particular of play that they were talking about Clark didn't miss an assignment he missed a tackle yeah I I mean that's that's not getting beat getting beat is when you're 10 or 15 yards be uh behind your receiver trailing him like Ladarius Bishop was on uh one of the touchdowns too so I mean you you've got to think about you you got to know your verbiage (laughs) a little bit and, and talking about getting beat but Hudson Clark he's in there because the coaches trust him and and because he's given effort every single play uh he played really well this uh this past Saturday well, and and a lot of that is not fair to Hudson Clark because, you know, that kid got a lot of hype after that one game. They gave him the yep. scholarship, done all the theatrics. Let's give him a scholarship. Yep. And then the kid kind of digressed a little bit. But, you know, that goes on. They watched film on his tendencies. You're dealing yep. with SEC coaches. They've seen what he's good at. They've seen what he's bad on. You play better coaches, you better play better because they're going to pick you apart. That's what happened. But you know what? He's grounded. He's – He's still there. He's still a starter. You know, he lost his position for a little bit and then got it back. This kid could have ended up – same thing with Trey Knox. He could have lost his position. He could have been UCA or A-State or or somewhere else, but he stayed. And now he's a starter. I mean, I have nothing but mad props for the kid because when you stick it out, you know, at some point where you got to realize maybe it's better for me to go somewhere else and play, fully understand that. Absolutely. But, but, you know, it, it gets to the point where you love this team and you want to be a part of this team. You see what something special – I see it. I see something special with this team. I guess that's maybe that's why I am a, a little bit more critical on them because, you know, when you care about something so much and you don't see them play up to their potential, you're going to be harder because that's just how much you care about this team. That That's what I want. I want to be hard on the team because I want to see them play better. I want them to play like a 10. I want them to prove me wrong. I got them at nine wins. I want them to prove me wrong and get to that 10-11 mark and, and really set this fan base on fire. Yeah, and man, you got me. You got chills on me again, dude. You know how you know where I'm at. You well, yeah, know I'm on that I got 11 you. win train, you know. But to start out this season with a win like that, because even I had my doubts, you know, going into this game. What are we? What team are we going to see? And it's just crazy to see when KJ Jefferson puts his team on his back and he says, "Let's go win this ball game," in in the fourth quarter, he goes out there and he does it. The guy is the leader, and it's like Sam Pittman said in the uh, post game interview. He said he's not just the leader; he's the heart and soul of this team, and he's the vocal leader of this roster. And he's going to go out there, and people respond to what he's trying to sell them. And and people, when people are bought in, when the teammates are bought in, it's hard to stop. 
yeah. these guys are these guys love each other and they they want what's best for this program and they are a team something different than what we've seen in previous years well guys we are up against a break we got to give a shout out to our our, our our sponsors here but after the commercial break we're going to talk more about this win we're going to talk about the soccer team's win over michigan state arkansas athletics had an undefeated weekend so not many teams can say that the volleyball team went out to colorado Won three to win three games out there, didn't even drop a set. We're going to break that down a little bit. So we will catch you after the break. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. If you want the best service and prices in Northwest Arkansas and Southwest Missouri for all your plumbing and electrical needs, then look no further than Corey Hyman, the plumbing electrical supply guy. Corey is in full steam ahead and providing the best electrical, plumbing, and septic supply service around. So call Corey at 479-301-8220 or email him at chindman, that's H-I-N-D-M-A-N, at andersonp.com. Again, that is 479-301-8220. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast. We kind of want to introduce a couple of new sponsors. If you didn't tune in to the Wednesday show, we have a new sponsor. It's the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson P.L. LC with offices in Springdale, Fort Smith, and Ozark. They are the oldest full-service law firm in the River Valley, and they will be the primary sponsor of the Wednesday preview show, where this week, again, we have the guy from the Spurs Up show, the biggest podcast in South Carolina, and then each week we're going to bring somebody in from the, the opposing team, beat writer, podcaster, believe partner, to, to really break down the game. And also we have a new hotline sponsor it's camelot exteriors out of norman oklahoma they do a lot of roofing exterior needs in in northwest arkansas and the river valley so if you are in northwest arkansas or in the river valley you're in the need of a new roof decking anything exterior give these guys a call and you can click on their link on our website and we'll get back into the second segment of you know really breaking down what you've seen on the defensive side other like i said with the the third downs but you know, what was some of the bright spots, Jacob, that you've seen when, when it comes to what, what you've seen there on the field in live play, the speed of this defense and, and the difference between now and, and previous years when it comes to the, the Razorback defense? 
they're they're always in the uh, in the right spot. Uh, whether it's uh, whether it's a defensive line, linebacker, uh, defensive back, they're usually in the right spot. Yeah, guys are going to get get beat sometimes in week one, uh, but they're giving a hundred percent effort. Something we haven't seen in previous years, except under Pittman. Uh, I really did like the pass rush. That's something positive that we haven't seen in a very uh, long time. A four man rush. Uh, I really liked what Jordan Dominic was able to do. The play of Eldorado native. Uh, Terry Hampton, he was really solid. A guy that looks the part of an SEC defensive tackle. I'm glad we uh, have him uh, as a uh, redshirt senior, a transfer from Arkansas State. That guy, he looked really good. Um, trying to think of another one, Landon Jackson. Those, all those guys looked really good, man, on the defensive pass rush. Uh, I'm really, really positive about that. And the way South Carolina looked on the offensive line last week, uh, with or this past uh, Saturday, Georgia State was uh, generating a pass rush there. So maybe Arkansas, man, uh, with an 11 a.m. start, uh, Spencer Rattler may have to wake up early, man, because Arkansas is going to live back there with him. They may have to pay rent. And I haven't seen that. So is that is that that's eleven a.m. Central Time? Yeah, it's eleven a.m. Okay. I believe on ESPN. So, so yeah, that's that's gonna. And you got to think. And and I recently took a trip to Michigan, and, and this is just the crazy thing. Like you don't think an hour does a difference, but we went to Michigan, and you're an hour ahead. It took me three days to get used to the time. You know, getting lighter later, and you're thinking it's like eight o'clock. It's actually ten. Yeah. You know, so that's going to have a huge impact on this game, especially being so early. But I think it's perfect. I think that fits into the timing. I know Razorback fans don't like um, those 11, uh, 11 o'clock kickoffs, but you know what? That just gives you more time to celebrate after, after the win. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, I, like, again, I'm as confident in this week's game as I was against Cincinnati that they're going to pull out the win. Yeah, I don't get too butthurt about a matinee. Uh, I mean, anytime. I mean, uh, I wish it was against Missouri State. But, you know, <laughs> the, I, I really believe that Arkansas's uh, defensive uh, integrity is being able to have all the guys around the ball on every single play. I mean, the defensive backs were there. I really was surprised by how well Simeon Blair played. I think he was a good uh, bright spot there uh, for the Razorback defense. A guy out of Pine Bluff who came in as a wall on uh, was really solid, uh, made made tackles in space. I mean, he didn't miss any assignments at all either. Um, I'm trying to think of Latavius Brenny. He looked really good. Uh, the transfer out of Georgia uh, had to come in after Catalan went down. So if, if Catalan and Slush are both out, you're going to have to depend on Blair and Brenny. I don't think that's going to be too bad of a deal if uh, they played like they did against uh, Cincinnati. Um, but, you know, you're not going to see a pass, uh, pass an attack like like you did against uh, what you saw against Cincinnati this past Saturday, just because uh, Cincinnati was they they kind of had a different kind of style of offense than what we uh, had become accustomed to a physical offense like like they had last year under Desmond Ritter and, and a power run game there. Uh, so that kind of caught us kind of caught us off guard. I was I was kind of surprised by that. Um, 
I'm trying to think of any other bright spots. Obviously, you had Bumper Pool making 13 tackles. If he continues to do that, he's gonna make he's gonna break the record for career uh, tackles and uh, raise it back history. I, I guess uh, right at the Alabama game or maybe the Texas A&M game if he produces like that. Obviously, he was a bright spot. And then you had Drew Sanders, even Bumper in the uh, post game said that for his first game, Drew had a good game. And I was I'm not gonna be really hard on the defense. Yeah, they gave up 400 yards. But it was a kind of a different 400 yards because they, at the line of scrimmage, they won. They won the line of scrimmage all day. Uh, but but uh, I really, really was pleased by the Arkansas uh, defense on Saturday, Porter. Well, and it, it goes to what you're saying about the first game. And, and we could, I mean, I could sit here and say it over and over, but it, it rings true. I mean, we don't know what kind of base defense he was running. We don't know what kind of blitz packages he was running. We don't know how much of that defensive playbook he was really – because, again, I mean, this next game against South Carolina is more of a state – I mean, you want to win the Cincinnati game. But getting that 1-0 in that conference, you know, column and, and beating a team like South Carolina, you know, that's going to be huge because you've got a game yeah. with Missouri State and then you've got your, your Texas A&M and Alabama coming. So, I think we're really going to see a different kind of defense. And if they can get that much pressure – on just a base defense. That gives me hope of like, okay, when they really want to bring the pressure, Odom really wants to dial something up that we haven't seen, I think we're going to see it. I think you're going to see something totally different on the defensive side of the ball, especially if Catalan's out. We don't we, we haven't heard anything, no updates on his condition. Um, so we, we, we don't know how long he's out, if he's even out, going to be out more, more than a game. We don't yeah. know that yet. So we'll probably find out Tuesday. I don't know if they're doing a, uh, 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 interviews or anything on Monday. I assume it's going to be on Tuesday, so we'll probably yeah. find out then. Yeah, because uh, they do their weekly press conference, and then the, the SEC press conference is on Wednesday. So I'll try to jump in on that and, and, and hear what he has to say. But – I like this question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll transition into this. So, and you know more about it than I do, man. Uh, so, we bring iced tea, liquor, or cold beer, like Pitt said in the post-game interview. Um, if, if you watched it on the game and the clock was winding down, you seen him do this. He, he, oh, yeah. he was winding up wanting John Daly to throw him a nice cold beer. So, <laughs> he, after that win, he, he got him an ice cold beer and drank it after the game. What do you think uh, Cincinnati brought? They they brought some um, um, unsweet tea, and 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 tried to put a one package. Of, you know they're up north; they don't know how to do sweet right. tea. No, so they, they put they, they put a little bit of uh, Splenda in their in their sweet tea and tried to call it sweet tea. Yeah, I, I'll give them some credit. I think that they uh, brought a little bit of uh, maybe some uh, what is it, Mike's Hard Lemonade. They brought, oh so if you want to go alcoholic they um, they brought Smirnoff ice they you know okay. it was cool back in the okay. day it, it was cool you know the Zima it, it was cool back in the nineties but but they tried to bring something to the big boy table and and it just it fell short you know so <laughs> that that that's what yeah, keep keep on drinking those Smirnoff ice than I do. oh yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah. Chuck, Chuck said says, uh, Long Island Chuck no I wouldn't good. even get them credit to that because Long Island iced tea is good that that that's hard. I don't know if you've had a good Long Island iced tea, but that stuff's hard. They, they, they had the uh, Arnold Palmer. They had the, uh, uh, they had the sweet tea and lemonade with no alcohol in it. Yeah, 
uh, I'll say uh, it was more of the the Mountain Dew, uh, hard Mountain Dew. I mean, it doesn't have any sugar in it, oh. and it doesn't taste very great. But it, you know, I don't even want to know about that. They brought something cheap. Mm. Oh, so that, that's like the Mad Dog Twenty Twenty and <laughs> and the R and R. We called it Running Rope back in the day because if you drank that, you was throwing up. So we that R and R liquor. If it was on the bottom bottom shelf, that that was when you were digging in your you digging in your pockets to have a good time. Yeah, I figure if uh, if you go back about 40,000 years ago, maybe 35, when Sam Pittman was roaming the sidelines at Pittsburgh State, uh, drinking a good cold, uh, ice cold, uh, was it Coors Light? I think it was picture? Coors Light or a regular Coors. Coors Light. So that's, probably, that's probably what he was planning on drinking last night. You know, but man, that, that was a uh, – I wanted to get that question in there just because uh, – just because of that. Uh, also, Dallas said, uh, what about Hornsby? Should he get some more touches next game? I, I don't – see, I, I don't know. That one's a tough one for me because, goodness gracious, I, I don't think so. I, I think you need to, unless it, it's something where KJ starts getting banged up. If he feels fatigued, you know you got a guy you yeah. can throw in there. But specific packages for him or to bring him in – this is a very important year for Arkansas. And this is this is what I if I was a head coach or if I was you know wanting to talk to Malik about coming back is like you buy into our program, you buy into us. You stay with us. You will be the starter next year. You will you're promised you're the starter next year. Again, if if KJ's hurt or you know he's just fatigued, he wants a series out or if the game's in hand, which with this South Carolina game, he might be. He, they might have this game in the hand in the fourth quarter. But when it comes to the end of the game, when you're trying to get a momentum, especially with what we've seen from KJ with, with his underthrow. And, and there were some people that were saying, you know, KJ was cramping up. You know, he pointed to his, his leg after that one, that one throw out of the end zone. You know, so – but I wouldn't have him in there if you're trying to get your rhythm going, especially this early in the season. Later yeah, on in the season, wide receiver though. What's would that? You, would you play? Would you play him for a couple of snaps at wide receiver? No, I, I would no. put him in a. It, well, I'd put him in a slot, like I said last week. I would put him in a slot to run like a decoy play, maybe to where you bring him in motion, maybe hand it off to him, or bring him in motion, play action pass. Either you're handing the ball off to him or you're having him throw the ball on a, on a, a gimmick play. But to have him run a route or in a, a series, no, I, I wouldn't. Because then you got to realize if you're having him go in a series, that's more time he's having to practice to run those routes, run that series. That's yeah. less time you're taking away him getting those second-team reps, especially what we've seen with KJ. Yes, it's 11 o'clock kickoff, but we've seen how muggy and humid it is. If KJ starts cramping, you're going to need Malik to come in there. I know South Carolina's down, but still they're an SEC team. You can't afford to – I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on this season, but to me this is one of the most important seasons when it comes to this program because you did it last year, but you got to do it again. you got to keep building because you got two teams out west coming to your conference in a couple years. You want to put as much distance between you and A&M, LSU, Texas, and OU that you can by the time they come in because that's going to be very important to where are you going to stay the top three or are you going to fall behind and be in the middle of the pack? And I think yeah. you keeping KJ 
and you go in with that one quarterback system, you know you trust in him, especially what he's done. I don't, I don't think you play around with it. Yeah, and I agree with that because, you know, if, I don't want to sit him in the slot either because I don't want to get him, see him get waylaid either. And then you lose your second-string uh, wide receiver or, or second-string uh, quarterback yeah. there playing him at wide receiver. I, I think uh, you just because of what you saw Saturday with Trey Knox, with Hazelwood, with Landers, and and uh, Katron Jackson, who didn't register a catch, but he was blocking downfield uh, on that Trey Knox uh, touchdown. He was blocking downfield and made sure uh, he opened that, that hole for Trey down the sideline. So these guys are these guys are bought in. I don't think you necessarily need a Malik. I think you might have needed Malik back in the spring just because you didn't know what you had. But I think you know what you had now. I think you should feel comfortable with just saying, hey, Malik, we'll get you a gadget play in there every once in a while like we did on Saturday, but, uh, throwing the uh, double pass with you, with you. But I wouldn't put him back at uh, wide receiver again, letting him uh, catch passes in the slot. But and here's where I will kind of almost not contradict myself. But if I was to put him in a situation, you, you know you got a guy at Hazelwood. You know you gotta you gotta account for Hazelwood. You know you've gotta account for Knox. You yeah. really gotta kind of keep your eye on Warren Thompson. What if you put now to where you even got to try to find now? Now here comes Hornsby out in the slot. Why is he there? You're making them think. Right. Why is he there? But then you're spreading it out, and then you run a quarterback draw. I mean, anything, and even if he doesn't do anything, you could still say that's a gimmick as bringing him in as a decoy. Like, even if you put him out of slot or put him out wide, put Warren Thompson in the slot or Knox, you put three on one side. You know, doing anything to make that defense guess on what you're trying to do gives you nothing but an advantage because, especially when you got a running quarterback and somebody who can throw the ball. And until, really until KJ gets his confidence where he knows he can make those throws that he was missing against Cincinnati – or he's got his legs underneath him where he's confident where he can throw the ball and run it, then you try that. But I don't think we'll see any of it in the South Carolina game. Maybe, maybe, depending on how much they want to show Texas A&M, do they do it in the Missouri State game? But if they were going to do anything, it would start, I would say Texas A&M or Alabama, if they was going to. And that depends on gameplay. I think you – I mean, the only time I'll think about seeing Malik Hornsby on the field now is against Missouri State, honestly. I mean, I think he'll play some seconds team reps. Yes. I don't think yeah. he's – I don't think he – I don't think you see him uh, at all at the wide receiver position. Uh, Chuck said something about uh, uh, the guy behind him, which is Cade Fortin. Uh, thanks, Dolla, for uh, sharing that. But, yeah, Cade Fortin has – he has really done well, but I don't think he's going to be your second-string guy to say just because uh, what Malik Hornsby, the value that he brings to the table there, I don't think uh, anybody's going to pass up Malik just because of his raw ability and because uh, the dude has speed for days. And we saw that on that 14-yard scamper. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, that's just f- insane how fast he is like just standing still and in two steps you have separation mm-hmm. That's, that is crazy yeah so i would you, you know yeah you don't you don't mess up malik man that's your future yeah that and you're exactly right and, and you talk about having kj in a system for two years you you're, you're grooming hornsby you think about yeah. it, too. You've got two years to where you're learning behind one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. 
your your mental headspace. Yes, you might have all the talent in the world, but you've got to have it up here if you're going to be that elite quarterback in the SEC. You've got to know who you're throwing to. You've got to have confidence. You've got to make those – some of the hardest throws are the easiest ones. We look at those throws that were the guys were wide open. It was almost like too good to be true. Those are the ones where it was harder because it's almost like you just throw it, dump it out there. You're not really yeah. worried about your technique and – where you release the ball opposed to if you're throwing it in double coverage or if you've got a guy you've got to lob it over where you know you got to put that touch on that ball. I, I, I think it's true, and then maybe that's why he was underthrowing some of them. But I'm very, you know, with, with Malik, he is the future of this team, and you've got to protect him. And that's another reason, what, like what you were saying, you, you don't want to chance him coming in and getting an ACL injury or – but it is football, and things are going to happen. It is. That's what happens. Where it happens, but it's but it, you're you're at a rock and a hard place. He's like almost that athlete that's too good to not play, but yet you kind of want to make sure you keep him for the you know your future. And and that's where I'm conflicted on: do they play him or do they not? But I think he's going to come in handy. I think he's going to be he, he's going to be a good little make somebody think down the road, like, right. and you put him out there, maybe you do a draw. Maybe you mix it up, bring him in. If you make, if you just bring him in one time and they're like, okay, when he comes in, this is what's going to happen, that's not going to work. you got to bring him in multiple times. you got to do different things with him. Right. That way it gets them guessing what, what's going to happen when he comes in. Hey, you might even know. You might put him at quarterback and put KJ at the slot just to throw this thing off. You, I mean, there's so much you can do. And it, it's it's funny how when you say you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. But you look at that instance, you kind of do have two quarterbacks that you can mix things up. So Yeah. But you do know. But that's a different instance, though, because you know who the starter is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With KJ. But, yeah, but, but then you think about it, you, you've got two guys that can go out there and, and they, they play two different uh, styles of uh, football. Kind of like what – uh, the difference between Desmond Ritter uh, was for Cincinnati and what Ben Bryant is for them now. Yeah. I mean, they they bring two different things to the table because you don't want to get run over by the Mack truck, the Peterbilt, for dang sake, <laughs> like old yeah. KJ Jefferson, you know. You don't get well, you don't want to get run over by him, but you also don't get a, want to get run past by Malik Hornsby. So that that they are two different uh, do two different uh, issues there uh, because I, I think uh, if you don't know who your starter is that's the issue but if you know who your starter is and you have a problem there at your second string guy who who can make guys miss in space you, you've got a good good deal well and and the last point I want to make on it is this is all talk speculation but Sam Pittman's proven that he is the utmost outstanding guy okay. They've probably already had this talk. They've probably laid all this out. You know, Malik knows his role. Yeah. And and we're talking about the what ifs, but I'm telling you, I, I don't see Sam Pittman as, as a BSer. I don't think no. he would BS Malik and, and, and sell him false promises. I think he's told him exactly what the plan is for him this year and next year. And apparently whatever he said to him got him to come back. So we can sit here and say what we think, but we I trust Sam Pittman just as much as the players do. I trust oh, yeah. Barry Odom just as much as I do as the players do, and I trust Kendall Bryce. I trust 
Hunter, you're a check. I, I, this is the most faith I've had in this program in my I'm, I'm 40, so 35, 36 years of really like paying attention to the program in some capacity. But this is the most faith, the most fun that I remember everything being. So yeah. until he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong. But I, I mean, how they use Malik is going to be a a mystery. But when I, when we know when he's on the field, something magical and something explosive can happen. You're exactly right. And I think uh, to wrap this uh, pod up, I mean, you did see a little bit of the uh, soccer team and volleyball team coming up big this week. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to them. Yes, uh, I mean, volleyball team, man. Going out to Fort Collins and playing Colorado State, Alabama State, and Florida Gulf Coast, not even dropping a set, not just winning. They didn't even drop a set out there. Their only loss on the season is to eighth-ranked Washington, which they beat. They split that series. So this team, you're talking about having freshmen and having transfers and having, you know, Taylor Head, Gillen, Maggie Cartwright, you know, the, the heart of their team back. And then you go to the soccer team, and they're big, you know, it's weird you say big one nothing win. I mean, it's kind of like baseball, but, it, it, I mean, there's not that much scoring in soccer. They played uh, Arkansas State last week, blew that game open. I mean, I think it was, oh, goodness, it was 2 nothing at halftime, and I had to leave. But by the time I got to the Hopper Tunnel, it was already 4 nothing, 4-1. I mean, it was just that's how quick this team is. And they got some freshmen, three freshmen, four freshmen starters, and there's one, her last name's Ezrin, and she's a track star from, from Iowa, Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm telling you, the speed that these girls have, and Franklin scored the game-winning goal today, the only goal today. But I'm telling you, that between the volleyball team and this soccer team, very exciting. Coach Hale, Coach Watson, I mean, another one of these programs. I mean, soccer has cemented themselves. Back-to-back-to-back SEC titles. I, I mean, I went there last Sunday, and there was 1,500 people there. You know, that just shows you opening game, home game. When 1,500 people come to the women's soccer game, that shows you what that program's done. Next in line's volleyball. That's that next team, that next program up and coming. And we've seen where 30, 40 people has been in Barnhill. Now they're getting to the point to where 1,000 to 1,200 will show up to their matches. So they play uh, next Sunday. I'm going to go to the next Sunday matchup. And... It's I've lost track on who they play next Sunday, but it's next Sunday at 1 o'clock. But I'm telling you, the volleyball team, it's very exciting to watch. I've watched it on TV a lot, watch it on ESPN+, Plus, SEC+, Plus, soccer team. I mean, a lot of good things are happening. And what we've said, with the success of this football team, it's going to cause more people to want to go check these other teams out. So, you know, if you're in town, if you're ever – check the schedules out. There's always something cool going on in Fayetteville. No matter what sport it is, it, it's really fun to go watch and, and support these other teams that, that are playing Absolutely. at the University of Arkansas. Yeah. Oh, I did mention to uh, University Traditions that I will give them a shout-out for the hat. Uh, yeah, you can go to universitytraditions.biz, and if you want a hat like this, I mean, I, I've never worn a hat with a string on it before in my life, but, man. <laughs> That's I that old school. What, I, yeah. I, I look good. When you look good, you feel good, That's too. Right. So, Woo! Hey, so, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a what is it, what, what did old Ric Flair say? Yeah, that's Ric Flair. Uh, High file. Limo, limo riding. Yep. Uh, High profiling. Yeah. 
Oh man! Son but hey, God. I, I yeah. want to give a shout out to the to our fans, man. Dollar Dollar, Dollar DP, Chuck Pendergrass, all the guys who've interacted. Look, we're getting more and more interaction. Love it. Yeah. Bring the questions. Bring the comments. Again, our DMs are always open. Even after the show, if you have some comments, if you want to interact with us, if your thoughts, uh, get our thoughts about the upcoming game. Um, we're, we're again on Wednesday. We're going to do a spaces on Twitter after the after the interview. So tune into the live interview at eight thirty with the Spurs Up show. L- listen to his thoughts on South Carolina. Jump into the spaces. We'll probably start about 10, 15 minutes after that. So, and I don't know, Jacob, if you'll be available too. We might both be in there. It might just be a, might just be Jacob. Might just be me. We'll, we'll see how everything plays. But we'll definitely have our spaces going. And I really like that. It, it was interesting because it was the first time I've ever done that. So it was kind of a different atmosphere, different kind of yeah. uh, interaction. So um, it, it was cool. It was fun. And we finally got it going. I think uh, – I don't know. I'm going to ask you about that. Is there like a time limit on that, on your no, spaces? You can go all night. Okay. Because I went and all of a sudden it just cut off. <laughs> so I had to start a take two. And I don't even know if it, it was probably my fault. But – no, thank you for everybody for your interactions tonight. Thank you for the views. We're getting more and more views, more and more likes. Our, our followers are going up. Our fans are going up. We're getting noticed out and about in the, in, in the public eye. So that's what we do it for. We do it for the fans. This is a show for the fans, made by the fans. So it's, it's really awesome where we've come in the four years. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. And also, if you want to give us a, uh, a star rating and a uh, subscription there on uh, Apple Podcasts, yes. too. That way, if you're not watching live, you can catch it there on uh, iTunes or, or Spotify. And you can find us everywhere. I think you can find us on iHeartRadio and all that, too. Oh, yeah. So, And you can always find us on uh, 103.7 The Bus, too. Uh, that that shows – that comes on at 5 o'clock in the mornings on, on The Bus, too. It's in the road station. Hey, it's early, but hey. If you don't mind listening to me during the uh, <laughs> during your uh, morning uh, rush to work on 106.7, uh, you know, in Central Arkansas, I mean, there's there's no better way to, to get ready for work than listening to me and Porter. <laughs> we might. Well, I don't know if you want us putting you asleep on your way to work. That might make, make for a long day. So, but hey, that will do it. Love our fans. Love everybody involved in, in our production. Our sponsors, Absolutely. Jacob. I mean, we've been doing this. It's been incredible and. We're going to keep this thing trucking. We will catch you Wednesday night. But for another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, I am your host, Porter Hayes. Alongside me is your host, Jacob Scott Davis. We will catch you on Wednesday. Go Hog. I got to get that timing better where that I like that three second. We're not Dude, recording man, I was this like, thing right here. I was bouncing in my seat. I know that show. was a good like, one. That man, that that intro is slick. Dad's after dark. I don't know who this is. I've it's seen them. Michael Michael is Glover. that the dude? He's, he is a firefighter in Benton. Okay. Okay. Um, but no, this freaking this is our sign off. It's like a three second deal. He thought. Right. Man.